Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At Bombas, we make socks, underwear, and t shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're designed with the softest materials and comfort innovations. They do good because for every item you purchase, we donate another item to someone who needs it. So far, we at Bombas have donated over 75 million items, and your purchases add to that impact. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash ACAST and use code ACAST at checkout. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
Hey everybody, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. Uh, this is RJ, I'm here with my friend Brad. Hi Brad. Hi RJ, how are you? Good. We had, we're doing like a little bit of a combo episode today where we're kind of recapping night three of Dicks, but we're also doing a little bit of a recap of the whole weekend because uh, we figured we might as well combine them and we had a couple conversations to share. Brad did the, the heavy lifting this weekend doing all the quick hits and um, I don't know, what were your, a couple of your big takeaways, Brad, from the from the Dicks weekend? I, I think there was really high anticipation after the Baker's Dozen, really good turnout. Uh, you know, there was lots of people coming excited. I think probably a lot of people were coming before the Baker's Dozen, but Combine, you know, the anticipation along with the Baker's Dozen uh, awesomeness. And it resulted in a really great Friday night, which I think blew people's socks off. And it kind of, you know, again, I, I wasn't there, just couch turn. But it seemed like there wasn't that arc, which some weekends have had at Dick's. This was kind of a, a descent as far as improv and um, crowd pleasing goes, I guess. Well, I guess you know, intense fans, if you want to call us that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's and pretty gonna, nice to call people, right? Yeah, exactly. And you're that's how I felt about it, too. Um, and we're going to get into it in a little bit more depth. You're right. I think that all three nights were sold out. It was a really hard ticket. And then I guess in the end, everyone who wanted to, to get in got in, which is which is cool. Not Maybe not everyone, but I know that a lot of people were able to get tickets at the last minute, which is nice. Um, it was it was a really great weekend of fish. And, and, and maybe we're just spoiled. But... Um, I think the excitement from Friday night, um, one of our guests called it, you know, Baker's dozen 14, which is funny. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday (laughs) and Sunday were kind of just like rock shows, which nobody's going to complain about. But again, you know, maybe we're spoiled. Yeah, well, I think if if people haven't heard the quick hit from night one and night two, um, you should you should go back and listen. Brad has some good conversations, and we play some clips of music. We'll get into the the interviews that Brad just mentioned in a minute. Um, I guess just a couple of things we wanted to mention before getting too far in. Next week we'll be releasing an interview that we did with Katie Tour of MSNBC. Um, she has a book coming out. Um, that episode will be up, I think, next Tuesday or, or Wednesday um, to coincide with her book release. So that's pretty exciting. We are in the process of planning an episode with the guy who does Trey's Guitar Rig, which is um, a really cool thing that I know a lot of people will be very interested in. I think that'll be one where Brad and I don't really know what's going on, but we'll be talking anyway. Um, there's going to be a lot of in-depth sort of, you know, guitar tech and equipment conversations. And I, I like I like when they do spacey stuff and when they also do funny <laughs> funny sounds with their guitars. I don't know if you I do, I like Brad. the jams. I like the jams. And I like the wow. I like that part too. <laughs> yep. And then there's links in the show notes to HF Pod T-shirts, which hold um, on, but we should talk to oh. Jonathan and Matt. Know a lot about a lot more about that yeah. stuff than we do for sure. So it'll be it'll be way better than that. <laughs> we'll be like, can you tell us what is he? Does he press buttons <laughs> to do the spacey thing, or is that like a, a, is knob, it a knob or what? <laughs> Um, we have HF Pod t-shirts. Um, the links are in the show notes. You guys should check them out. I think they're pretty cool. They're gray with our logo on them. I think they're going to be pretty awesome. The other thing is, if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes before, um, you should do that. It helps people discover the podcast, and we would appreciate that if you can do it. Right, Brad? Please. Please do, um, do it for I Brad. Think you should you should get your kids a um, go-back-to-school shirt, the HF Pod go-back-to-school. Oh, yeah. Right? Good, good call. We should do some kids' t-shirts. I think if people... If people buy these T-shirts, then we'll keep making other T-shirts. You know, we're we are making them, me and you, for sure. 
<laughs> I got a print and press in my office here. Yeah. I'm just, I'm doing. It's called screen printing. It's where you print on a screen. I don't know if you know about it. <laughs> but I just bought some cotton from Litchfield Park, Arizona. <laughs> it's where they grow cotton. So. Um, step step one: <laughs> acquire cotton. <laughs> We're well on our way to making our own t-shirts. So, Brad, we had two conversations, one with Zach, who's been on before, which we're going to play, and then one with Luke Riley, who's a first-time guest. And yeah. we're going to play some audience um, recordings, which are the, the songs that we chose are in the show notes, but we're going to play Zach's interview and then talk a little bit, then play Luke's, and then go straight into the music just so you all know what's coming. But what um, what do you think today? There was some talk on Twitter about whether the, this, like, can can... Does fish need like some kind of theme yeah. or you know gag or, or something to to rely on? I don't know. That was pretty interesting. This is the first run, at least in, at Dixon, in a while where they haven't done that, right? Yeah, our previous guest Lenny, he was the first one that I saw to propose that question. Yep. It's a good question, um, Lenny Stube, and um, it is I think something that you and I have chatted about. Um, Zach even chatted about it. It's almost like homework or direction or something to focus on somehow makes them more creative as well or maybe makes the jams better i don't know um but I, I don't think there's any doubt that when they've got a stated goal um or something to cover that it brings you know a lot of great stuff out of them i thought it was really interesting because i felt um watching the sunday night webcast that the first set I, I felt like they weren't really locked in before the most events aren't planned which i thought was really great and i don't know like the the whole weekend i think zach mentions this in the interview that it just it didn't feel like it had that energy that it, that it's had in previous years now like that's a i would caveat that by saying that i'm sure there's hundreds of people who will tweet at us and send us emails that says that like it was super high energy and it was their the best time they've ever had and that's awesome and maybe that's like the whole point is that it's not it's always different for different people right right and uh, you and i weren't there um and we're just kind of opining about it from afar so we'd like to hear from everybody um who who was there they were they were they stayed at madison square garden because they wouldn't have to travel and uh they're at home they're in their own beds and on kind of home court and they wouldn't have to move their stuff um so they shouldn't have been tired on Sunday, but maybe they were a little tired, it, it seems. And, and they put a lot of effort into those MSG shows. It's not like only travel makes you tired. So, Yeah, yeah, and it's like the time change and stuff. It's pretty late if you're, you know, still in Eastern time. But I, I also saw um, Andrea Nusinov, who takes amazing pictures. She was she tweeted today that she saw people, I guess, leaving before the encore a couple of nights um, to get in line for the next night, which is... Um, I've heard that before, but I've never seen it happen. And I don't know if she was there in person or watching on the webcast, but that's like, that can, that's that can outrageous. probably send a message to the band too, right? That you mean seeing them people leave? Yeah. Just like, you know, yeah, the, the front right. row kind of clearing out. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're leaving to get back in line to be back in the front row, it's pretty intense. So, um, <laughs> it's like, I love, I, this, I love this band so much. I got to skip some songs so I can go see some songs tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mike, who was our Friday show, Saturday morning, quick hit correspondent, said that the, the bus line was just outrageous, like really long. Um, mm. And uh, so I, I thought you were going to say people were leaving to get in the line to go home <laughs> to catch like their, their cab or their bus or whatever. I didn't hear that. I mean, except for from Mike, I didn't I didn't notice that like a lot of chatter about that. But that that's tough, yeah. especially. If Probably, you're... Yeah, whatever. Right. I mean, you're, you're having fun. It doesn't matter what time you get home, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, it did, it did it did to me when we went in 2014 because I had to get up at six with my with my baby. <laughs> uh, that yep. was that was so tiring. Um, yeah, 
So, Brad, I guess before we get into the conversation with Zach, just from doing these quick hits and also your trip out east for the Baker's Dozen and watching the rest of the shows, um, what, where do you think Fish is right now, 2017? Like, what do you expect for the rest of the year? I mean, run-wise, but also just like musically, do you feel like this is a peak year? I don't know. How are you looking at it? Yeah, I, I, I think I've referred to it as peak fish. In, in one of the interviews, I think it's the band's reaching in um, another all-time high. It's kind of where they've been before. Um, but they've picked themselves up. I think creatively it's amazing. We're watching them work on new material um, at shows. Um, they've got an album worth, I think, at least of new material uh, they could put together. And I'm wondering if maybe this little layoff before New Year's, and again, we haven't even heard anything about New Year's, just rumors, Yeah. Um, that maybe they'll put another album out. It seems awfully soon after Big Boat, but who knows. Um, and they're happy. I think they're content. And they may not even know exactly when they're coming back. Maybe they've got New Year's planned, but what's after that? Maybe they just wait until they go back up to Watkins Glen? I don't know. Um it's exciting. I, I don't think they're going to quit, obviously, some people have said, um, yeah. because they're having too much fun. They're too healthy. They're too locked in. They seem to be enjoying each other's company, even when Paige wears one of those fucking – that star shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where. Like I I just – I texted you, I think. I just pictured him packing his bag. Like, I got to bring the giant <laughs> shirt with the giant stars on it, you know? <laughs> Can't forget that shirt. Right. <laughs> well, no, but what you said is really important. I think like they're content, and that's like, I think they're content not in the like um, complacent way, but in the right, like, right. They're comfortable. They're happy. They're having a good happy time. Where they are. I mean, you know, the Baker's dozen. I don't. I think they, you know, obviously with on the road again encore and all that. Like they, they're clearly like feeling like a, that was a huge accomplishment, and maybe this was just a chance to go out and play some shows and not put too much pressure on themselves and just have fun, you know. Yeah, and I'll mention the uh, the Mike Lowe quick hit again because he said, which was pretty fun, that he had like dinner sort of with fish um, at some Mexican place downtown or south oh, yeah, of downtown, yeah, yeah. and um, said that uh, fish fish said he had homework. So I, I, maybe they were practicing because we didn't catch anything that was like a cover, crazy cover or anything like that. So um, I wonder what he was practicing. Seems like to me he wouldn't have to practice Reba anymore, you know, um, but. Maybe they do still. I, it's it's pretty awesome to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, speaking of that, they didn't do. Were there no covers the whole run? I don't believe. So. There's speculation that because like Metallica, like that video that circulated of them talking about how they did, you know, thirteen nights, and they were like in the practice room and saying like, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And then someone mentioned like, oh, they did a bunch of covers. I mean, that seems a little far fetched, but I don't know. They don't seem like that. It's kind of like the Billy Joel rumors, you know. It's like, like right. they're like they're so offended by everything everyone says that they like plan an entire <laughs> take, run around it. <laughs> they take it to heart every single time. <laughs> every time someone let's say like why they can't go on the internet anymore. But the being content and being comfortable thing is a, is a big, you know, a big, big deal. And, um, I guess 2001 technically is a cover, a pretty, pretty interesting. And maybe they just wanted to go back to playing their stuff after they played so many covers. And it's yeah. just another example of like them not doing what we expected. Everyone was like, play strawberry letter play like see you sexy thing play like this play that and they just played their own songs because they're like fuck it we can do whatever we want yeah and that's what's what's great about them um keeping us on our toes making us you know look left when they're they're going right or whatever yeah um, and also other sports analogies yeah and if, and first down um <laughs> so 
So, Brad, we can get into this conversation with Zach, but um, I wanted to just say that um, for us, this has been really fun doing all the the quick hits for Baker's Dozen and then these. And, um, you know, we have a lot of really cool episodes coming up and some good plans for the the podcast. And, um, you know, Matt and Jonathan obviously are are playing a big part as well. And, you know, it's fun. It feels like we're... um, we're we're i think we're peaking as fish is peaking <laughs> so um but we're peaking because they they're keeping us also interested um yeah and doing a lot of great stuff for us to talk about and share and the community grows stronger um even with these like talks of fighting and like tarping and all these things it, we're still just a really strong community and i also wanted to say that um one of the interviews i guess we'll talk about it before but Luke just hit us up on Twitter and was like, Hey, can I participate? And we're like, shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like it's great. And, um, it's kind of what we do. It's not like we do this to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> I think we, we do enough here at listening to ourselves talk. Speaking of not listening to ourselves talk also night two, you talked to Brian Brinkman. Of course, people should go listen to that. And people who don't know if, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you do know now that, that Brian and, and Dave Goldstein have launched a, a podcast fish inspired, but turning us and others onto lots of different music. Every episode called beyond the pond it's good to get his perspective glad that he got to catch those shows that was that seemed like a fun conversation too it seemed like he had a great vacation and he's a really knowledgeable dude who knows a lot about a lot so um it was it's obviously always fun to talk to him um especially when he's you know there with his best man and and just having a good time with family and friends yeah man well um thanks brad for doing the quick hits this weekend and <laughs> thanks man it was lots of fun and i guess I might officially become like the the West Coast correspondent yeah. now. Yeah, I guess I mean point. I have been, but like you know, yeah, that's a good this. point. And and yeah, so to Brad's point about you know reaching out, just keep letting us know. Should send us ideas, show ideas, guest ideas, um, you know, feedback, etc. Twitter, Facebook, emails, helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail dot com. It's a really easy short email address that we secured just for everybody's convenience <laughs> so she doesn't forethought sight foresight as well yeah, both so brad let's get into those interviews and uh, as we said we'll we'll talk to, to zach and then um luke and then play some tunes enjoy all right keep on rocking Um, this is Brad again. I'm here with Zach. Hi, Zach. Hey, Brad. Longtime contributor um, and, uh, you know, somebody who's always been around for us for the for the podcast. So glad to have you back, man. Yeah, thank you. First time, long time. <laughs> um, well, just for the quick hits now. Come on. Yeah. Um, so Zach is in Colorado. He uh, moved to the western New York City years ago now. Um, and uh, so this is a hometown show for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I'm up in Boulder now, but I spent a couple of years in Denver and, um, you know, Colorado. Actually, I mean, absolutely one of the reasons I found myself in Colorado was because of Dix and Fish in Colorado. They clearly, I came out here in 2012 uh, for those uh, for the, for those shows and, and, and uh, that, that Fuck Your Face uh, 831 12 show was a birthday show and I had a, a series of epiphanies during that show, um, and, and the, the next year I came back and, and, and by 2014 I was living here. Uh, it's been a great three years and, and obviously love seeing, um, fish come back. It sort of validates, uh, that they've continued to come back here and invest in their community and the community here, as well as, 
uh, you know, a, a West, it's sort of a, a, a step towards the West, if not fully out in the West Coast. But Colorado has a certain energy, I think. I think it's almost like Colorado, like Vermont was back, you know, 30 years ago for these guys. I think they see it as a, a really progressive place where you can live the life that you want outside of um, certain strictures. And yeah. I think that's still true and very true. It's great. It's a wonderful place to, to visit. And I think a lot of people look forward to the little mini Labor Day vacation um, and, and them continue to go out there. Gives us all an excuse to go up to that wonderful place in the mountains and all those things. So we're going to talk about uh, Sunday, uh, September 3rd, 2017. But you were there for the Friday show too, right? I was. I saw Friday and Sunday. I decided to, to skip out on Saturday. I gave a very worthy friend a ticket who was having a really tough time and had been doing favors for people. And I had a couple of other things to do on Saturday and uh, just felt like it was okay. Something not a couple of years ago would have been unheard of for me to miss a show of a run, particularly at home. But, um, you know, listen, our, our relationship to the band changes. I saw, I'm very, continue to be very grateful with how much I'm able to see fish and how much I prioritize seeing the band. And I saw a bunch of the Baker's dozen, seven or eight shows. And, uh, I, I had an incredible time Friday night. Uh, I thought Friday's show was stunningly great, sure. and uh, something I'll be listening back to. Um, uh, uh, not only the not only the second set, but the, I thought the whole show, um, in particular, the, the second set's uh, opening trio of uh, No Man's Land, uh, Carini and Ghost was mm-hmm. six over sixty minutes of unfettered improv that um, had that feeling of relentless onslaught that that you almost kind of need a break. You know, you're begging for a ballad just to catch your breath and to cool down. They were, it was full on, you know, the, the hose was on and the, the, it was just fully raw power and, and, and Trey and Mike were just, and, and all of them were just, it was just a runaway freight train. Give us a Uh, little bit about, um, you know, just the vibe, the crowd. Uh, I'm sure the anticipation was really high on Friday. Do you sense that Sunday? Um, I, you know, uh, yeah, not as much as in previous years. And frankly, this whole run felt a little um, – it felt uh, may- maybe because of Baker's Dozen, maybe because there's some questions up in the air about Fish's future, maybe just just because it's where we are, there doesn't need to be a reason. And uh, um, maybe it's because of externals. Maybe it's the, po- the, the political situation getting to people. I don't know. Uh, it wasn't – it wasn't – it didn't feel as, as – as, as elevated to me and, 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 and the people I was around, I'm sure there's crews out there and families and fans out there who are like, you know, flipping, flipping, doing somersaults on Friday morning because they were about to see fish and kept that going. And I applaud them for that. Um, you know, there was a J rad show on Thursday night at Red Rocks that was sold out that a lot of people, um, made it in early for, they also put on a pretty fantastic performance. And I think for the people who saw that and saw some of the fish or saw all of it, uh, it, it kind of felt like a like Thursday was the real big anticipatory day. Hmm. Um, I had a I had a birthday on Thursday and had a yeah, really had beautiful birthday. day. Thank you. Uh, Red Rocks was really a lot of fun and and a big show for those guys and they really turned on the uh, the energy and captured that that venue which is a huge it's a big space for for Joe Russo and his his yeah, merit right. to to dominate but dominate they did and um, no I did not I I personally did not feel that this year had that same 
um, special energy that it has uh, maybe the past couple of years. Um, and, and I don't, you know, there doesn't necessarily need to be a reason for it, but that, sure. that was my take. It seems just, you know, and this is from me on couch tour. It seemed that Friday was really anticipated and they delivered and it was sold out and, you know, people were forbidden to bring their tarps in and all these things seemed to be falling into place. And, and then coming off of that incredible run, uh, at MSG, um, I think you said it earlier, uh, that it was like almost Baker's dozen 14, that Friday show, but then come Sunday, maybe people were tired. Maybe the band was uh, anticipating a kind of a, a break. And um, it's not like they were giving up or or they didn't execute. There just wasn't the improv on Sunday. Do you, do you agree with that? I think it was less about like specific improv. And I think it was more a, a flow thing. I think if you if you were to listen to the Piper, the Light, and the Possum in a mix that wasn't the rest of the set, uh, and haven't even really looked at the set list that heavily just yet. Right. I don't think you would say, oh, this is shitty improv. I think uh, – and it's not. Uh, it's it's really great. Those are three highlights. Um, I think you might look at um, – you might look at uh, the, the set list flow. Like, you know, Downward Disease opener, um, you know, sounded good out of the gates and it, it just kind of fell flat, which sometimes happens with disease. Yeah. Um, it, it's not it wasn't a bad version. I just think that you know, the opening opening salvo on the last night um, is a is a is a kind of make or break thing because if it if you can capture the energy there and carry it through the set, then I think you're gold. Um, if uh, without I haven't re-listened obviously, but without going back to it, um, it sounded like disease kind of lulled out and they had to they had to uh, audible uh, at the line of scrimmage kind of thing. So it was. Um... You know, in my opinion, the, the, I thought the disease was okay. Uh, it was a good version, uh, probably the highlight of this, that second set, the jamming kind of at the at the end there. But um, it, it, you know, with the tweezer still on the table for a three night run, and they open the second set with disease instead of tweezer. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are anticipating the tweezer. Um, we talk about it often, just us, you know, guys here. Um, that they seem like they open set to too much with down with disease. You know, I'm not complaining about the improv or the jam that comes out of it, but um, a 20 minute down with disease. Um, oh, was it? That's yeah, 20, 21 minutes. Um, okay, there, you know, yeah. uh, what I heard a lot last night was, and, and I heard this, I think, on Friday too, was, um, and on Friday it seemed more organic, whereas last night um, there seemed to be some, even in that 20 minutes, uh, you know, three or four minutes that were kind of subdued and were kind of like being like an ambient style rumbling yeah. as opposed to like, you know, ridiculous improv, yeah. you know, it's almost uh, like they're catching their bearings or, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, whereas that opening no man's in set two of Friday night, that ambient seemed natural. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think it seemed like, um, you know, it it, 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 I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this. I mean, I think that if you look, there's really, it was a, a flow thing. Friday night show, you know, this whole set just didn't, it just didn't stop. Um, disease, light, rise come together, you know, it, it, compare that to, to no man's Karini ghost. Right, just not each, you know, each almost 20 minutes long or whatever, close enough to it which is really rare. And, and when you, when you get to that level of improv, 
direct, you know, in a row, 60 minutes of unfettered improv, Mm -hmm. um, with really, you know, there, there's a, there's an emotional and physical thing that I think happens that overtakes you. You're, you're, you're really transported. You've, you're affected. Um, I did not feel that last night. And and this is kind of one of my complaints about, and we're kind of, uh, you know, I don't mean to be shitting last night, but, um, one of my complaints generally about the 3.0 2001 is it's at the end of a second set instead of the beginning. And I think it would, you know, it, 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 it's a vehicle. It's a kind of a, a thread that you could start, um, a a second set with, but they don't anymore. And listen, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it anytime, but a meat stick in a 2001 (laughs) and then a possum Susie, it's kind of choppy, right? Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, um, couple of things one is one thought i had this weekend and i felt this during baker's dozen which was that of course the no repeats and in baker's dozen really meant every song had to count or counted and i really felt that that actually transcended itself as a kind of a gimmick into when fish sets himself a challenge and meets it yeah um then no matter what song they're playing or what part of the set that, that they can do something special. I it enjoyed the heck out of 2001 last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a great version and I thought it was really fun and, and, and the sound, the, the way these guys are playing right now, the effects, the page, the, the cohesion of the band, something I remember feeling over Baker's Dozen was that every night, every single band member wanted to be there. Right. They looked like it. They looked intent. They looked focused. They looked excited to be on that stage in Madison Square Garden. Nobody was bored. Nobody was looking for an exit. Nobody had an off night in that sense uh, of like, I'm tired. I'm not feeling it. Like they were committed. And so there's a sense that, and they're, and they're still at, frankly, at that level. They're at that level. Uh, you don't just two weeks later, like go revert, to, you know, to last year's, you know, quality. They, they practiced, they, they wrote a lot of music. They practiced a lot. They, they, they practiced during the run. They crushed the run, uh, the Baker's Dozen run. So they're at a very high level, which means all of these songs were really played well. 100%. And you hear Meat Stick at the, at the, in the middle of a second set. Um, you know, to me, fun, easy, great dance tune. But to me, it sort of felt like uh, they're kind of uh, taking their foot off the pedal. Mm-hmm. And in a cool way that we're still going to be smiling and having fun and dancing. That to me is backed up by 2001. To be honest, I thought the possum, and 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 then I'll say again, the Susie the Susie closer yeah. is a you know send him home high fiving, no bullshit about it. Doesn't Susie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. fun and good, and and right. and, and and uh you know uh and Paige, Paige really turned it on in the second in the fourth quarter last night, uh two thousand one and possum and Susie were he was really shining, so I think he felt that others were that maybe perhaps others were were starting to flag energy wise and were ready to wrap it up and, and he, he threw down some extra um, fire and even a possum. The possum surprised me. Uh, the possum at Baker's Dozen was was insane. Yeah. Last night, very, very, very good. And it was like what it felt like to me was the last taste of greatness for the year uh, or for the week or for the summer at least. Okay. It felt like, oh, oh, we still have got this, guys. Like mm-hmm. it went really deep on some like, you know, atonal, dissonant, 93 sounding madness. And and it was it was coherent. It was coherent. They they kept it together. Uh, you know, Trey was really off off on a tangent, and they really followed him down a wormhole and didn't let go. 
uh, and that it took a lot of craft and it took a lot of um, uh, energy and it took a lot of, um, of of focus just to keep it there. But they really, if it, it, it was a, uh, I think I saw um, maybe it was Jake Cohen, Smooth Atonal Sound, right. uh, just walking walking out of the show saying. Uh, something like that, that it was a clinic intention and release. I assume he was released, re- referring to the possum. Uh, and that's what it felt like. And there is a, there's a quality, there's a emotional and physical quality of that when you, when you experience a really atonal dissonant jam that of course has a big peak and a resolution, uh, you know, you, you're kind of spent. And I think, you know, I was super happy to get Susie. Waste was beautiful. First tube is, as you guys know, and I know it's one of RJ's fun, uh, favorite tunes was, a. Uh, Great way, great, easy, no pressure. Send them out, and and, I'm really, really good, man. So you mentioned the coherence along with comfort, and they're listening, and I I think that's a really good point, that they they brought that from Banker's Dozen. Uh, It continued here, even in these kind of, you know, Saturday and and Sunday second sets that didn't blow anybody's socks off. Um, They're still totally comfort. They're comfortable, and they're listening to each other, and um, maybe that has something to do with all the new music they've been putting out. I, what do you think about that? All, all the new songs, Leaves, Rise, Come Together, Everything's Right, all these songs have kind of come to birth in front of us and even a little bit into maturity at this point, would you say? I, I would, absolutely. And they're clearly workshopping these songs. I think they're giving them um, they're giving them a lot of attention and a lot of thought. And uh, I think they're... they're, they're um, they're very interested in seeing these songs come to life. I think that there's a, a time and place to like right now, you know, hearing, hearing rise come together, uh, in particular, everything's right. I would put alongside that. Um, I haven't studied the lyrics of leaves as much or, or crazy sometimes. <laughs> um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of new material. That's very good. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, leaves thread, everything's right. And, and rise come together and there's a couple others that are really um they've got a, with, if you pair that with mercury and one or two other songs you've got a you've got a new album yeah solid and, and that's what we're talking about here um so they're definitely workshopping them they're definitely you know trying to get as much of their 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 live show uh uh, uh you know probably the best place for them to practice is is, is live um uh, i think they learn that way i i know they learn that way yeah, i know, yeah. <laughs> That's that's how they do things. Songs come together over years. I mean, we're still seeing Mercury, which is a couple of years old. We're still seeing it workshop live. They they I think it's different every time out. I think they're still trying to. Yeah, uh, well, they they seem to be getting closer to to finding the right way to play that song. Tell me, um, you know, a little bit about uh, you mentioned kind of the uncertain future. I, I think we're assuming there's going to be a New Year's Eve run. Um, tell us what your kind of prediction, predictions are there. I, I have none. My predictions are uh, see fish, uh, if you can. And my predictions are these guys are incredible. Uh, and and this is a late uh, you know late career, but maybe it's just mid career. Who knows? Uh, a, another really wonderful time to be a fan. Very blessed that they are healthy and that the music is this good. That the improv is this good. That their care for their um, Art form, which includes everything outside the music, the brand, the creativity, the obviously the donuts and the themes and the the craft and care with which they uh, just run their project, uh, the whole project. 
Um, so it's it's less about you know weekends and dicks or Mexico. We got to at least talk about that. Maybe there's going to be a Magna Ball again or uh, you know eleven ball. I'm I'm not so much in the rumor mill as I once was. I've heard rumors that uh, that people think that they might be a, a hiatus. I've heard rumors that um, that uh, that there'll be another festival, which are two of the most op- you hear people say the same same comment uh, to the two most there there they would not do a another Magna Ball. So I think that the rumors are just that as always they're rumors. Some will be true. Some will be completely patently false. I'm sure Fish has a hand in 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 that as well. Uh, part of their part of their shtick for sure is keeping us guessing. Um, I listen. I hope they keep playing, and I hope I have a, a reason to keep seeing them every summer yeah. and every year. And I would, uh, if they do a festival, I don't think I would miss it. Awesome. Yeah, I, we couldn't either. So Zach Cohen, what at Zachary Cohen? Is that right? Yeah, but I don't want I don't want anybody finding me or following me on yeah, Twitter. No, you don't have very many Twitter followers. Yeah, just, so don't, just don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least don't talk to him about fish. Hey, you guys had a great summer too uh, at the HF Pod. Congrats, congratulations on a lot of new features and new ideas and the live event and uh, the obviously continuing the quick hits and. Yeah. Uh, I should be really uh, pleased with uh, what's happened this year for you guys. Great stuff. Thanks, man. And like we've talked about before, um, your ideas help too. So, and everybody else, let us know what you think. Zach, I appreciate you coming on again. Happy birthday a couple days late. And see you soon, man. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zach. Brad, thanks for doing that. And um, I was able to speak with Luke this morning. And now we're going to just jump straight to that interview. Does that sound good, Brad? Yeah, it's great. All right, we're here with Luke Riley, who's at Luke Riley on Twitter. And Luke is joining us to talk about Dix. He was at all three shows, right, Luke? Yeah, it was. It was a it was a pretty uh, pretty great run. It was a lot different than uh, the Baker's dozen, and each run was kind of as it always is. So yeah, it was a it was a really 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 fun run. He had he had to kind of be there, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I got the same feeling in terms of just it being a little different. Like we can get into more specifics. Um, had you been to Dix before? Yeah, last year was my first year at Dix. Cool. Right on. Um, what what do you think um, compared to last year? I guess just getting into the sort of atmosphere and the lot and the, the, the crowd and all that. Um, how was the energy, that sort of thing? The energy was really good. I think this is one of the, the, the nicest weekends Colorado has had in a while. Um, compared to last year, it was pretty hot. I remember uh, one of the highlights last year for me, at least was the no man's coming after ghost, which was the second song of the weekend. It was just a monster. Uh, but, I think it kind of came out the same thing this year. Blaze On was a really, really nice opener, and to go 15-plus minutes was really a treat for the crowd after, you know, such a success the Baker's Dozen was. Yeah, really amazing. Um, what a start, man. Um, that that show was just phenomenal, and um, we can talk a little bit more as we get through, but I, I kind of thought that the, from my perspective at least, as someone, you know, couch touring and listening, that the the show's kind of um the Friday was the peak and it's sort of um that's kind of rare for runs like this especially at Dicks. I don't know if you felt the same way or not. Yeah, it, 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 I think each night had its own special unique kind of feel to it, but uh if anything that we all know is that fish doesn't do anything that we're all going to expect. So having the best night be a Friday was 
I mean, not it's surprising, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Right, right, right. Well, what what were some of your highlights um, from Friday night? I'd say uh, I'd say probably my my favorite thing about Friday was the second set, obviously. But coming in as a at an honorable mention was the theme free and the tube. And those three songs together reminded me a lot of like the uh, slave limb by limb and I'm sorry, Lincoln uh, Sally limb by limb and slave from San Francisco. Those three songs together were incredible, and I thought that theme free and tube were just and tube was just incredible by itself, obviously. But but yeah, that first set was really good. And the Rogue shouldn't be ignored. It was always, it's always good. And this one is no exception. This one was really, really interesting. The band was listening to each other a lot in that second part of the uh, jam or second movement, I guess you could call it a Rogue. But the band was listening to each other a lot, going different directions and super, super tight music in the first set. Second set got into it with No Man's and I didn't expect it to go 24 minutes that I don't think anybody else did either. And and I think everybody kind of knew at that moment, kind of where the 17 minute market of no man's we were, at least I was like, okay, this second set's going to be a little more interesting than, than that first set was. And sure enough. Yeah. Really, yeah. really great music, man. Um, and I guess now like, you know, talk to us a little bit about Saturday and also, um, you you mentioned at the beginning just how this felt different than than the Baker's dozen. I don't know if that has anything to do with any particular night, but would love to hear you expand a little bit on that. Um, what, and maybe before you do that, which shows in the Baker's dozen did you see? Uh, I was unfortunately not able to make it to any of the Baker's. Oh, right on. But I did. Right did, did however stream everything on television. Cool. So it yep. was like I was there, but uh, but it was. I think the well the dozen in itself was completely unique, and it no one could ever possibly replicate it. Um, the, and Dix is a completely different run. You're outside in Colorado and you're not inside in New York City. So it's going to be, the feeling is completely different, I would imagine. Yeah, and what what did you think um, musically, sort of the difference? I mean, I guess this is, you know, maybe leading, leading the witness, but um, do you think that we were we as fans were a little bit caught up in, in the expectations game post post Baker's dozen. Was there any talk of that or did people just feel like this was a continuation of great playing in 2017 and another great sort of Dick's run? I think for me, at least it was just great playing in 2017. Uh, I heard a lot on Dick's lot of like, I hope they play strawberry letter. I hope they play, you know, everything else in the dozen, but I heard a lot of strawberry letter on lot which I mean, personally, I would have loved to hear that as well. But um, when they started the second, when they started Saturday night with simple, I was actually standing in line waiting for a ticket to get in, uh, which is also hilarious. And I didn't oh, make man. it in. And I, I missed Martian monster Reba and San, and I made it in during crazy. Sometimes That's they finally funny. opened the window back up at like, you know, nine o'clock or eight, eight o'clock. Wow. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and and so what what were your highlights from Saturday? Just just go and keep continuing to kind of go through the the run here. Um, I really I'm I'm a huge fan of Crazy. Sometimes I think that beginning little you know jam kind of salsa marimba thing they've got going on there in that verse is really 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 good. And it's new. It kind of goes on the same feel as Thread and Leaves and this this new kind of Broadwayish past ish is kind of going down right now. And uh, it's and I, you know, the first set for me, Wolfman's was probably the highlight. Uh, Simple was really, really tight. Reba, obviously, first time ever played at Dick's. That's kind of special, I would imagine. 
Um, and then set two, this is where people kind of had a problem with the night, I think. But for me, I loved it. I think everything's right as a rockin' dance party that is going to just expand on so many different levels in the future of uh, these next few years of music. Yeah, then, really cool how they've taken that out. Yeah, it's in a debut with Tab, and, and you could kind of hear where it was explored there. And I was really hoping it would. And when it hit in Chicago, I was really excited because I knew that it would kind of stick around if it was already showing up there. Nice. Uh, as for as for as for the rest of the second set, Steam was incredible. It's one of my favorite songs. Chalk Dust was out there, and I think everybody was really kind of happy to see it come back down to earth with Chalk Dust, and then just get take off right again with Mike's song, which just turned into this groovy dance party. And everyone in the building, or just at Dick's, was just grooving. I remember looking around, and I don't think I saw one person standing still. That was a whole moment. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And the the it seems like the the ch- the chalk dust in the middle of the set is sort of like an odd placement, and also it ended up being like just a few minutes long. Um, yeah. Did did people think that was going to be it, a big one? Yeah. Well, it's funny. If you were there, it felt like that song went on for fifteen minutes, and to see it only clocked in at about seven was was actually a huge surprise oh, wow. to me. At least. Wow. Nice. Because and, it, it's it get that in that middle part before it goes back in to the refrain before the last chorus, it it was just it just took off. And then the Winter Queen was good, then what's the use was just I think kind of a precursor to what was coming in the encore. <laughs> That's my opinion of that. Interesting. In, um, in what way? Just because it was so big, Trey just all of a sudden had a Winter Queen and no, I don't. I know I didn't expect that. I don't think anybody else did. Everybody was just kind of listening and really grooving to the music. Uh, but when it hit, the just the not even like a sound was heard of the crowd, but just like a almost like a sigh of relief. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Was was um I wasn't um I wasn't watching the stream on Saturday night, but was the did they bring it down like super quiet like they have done in the past? They, or- in the in, in at the break of the of what's the use? Yeah, yeah it kind of got really quiet. Um, and Corota was right there with them. It, I don't think it got very light at all during that entire thing. Nice, that's it awesome. Was really dark. Yeah, it was really, really nice. at the theme really nicely. And then the week of Pog was blast. Obviously, it always is. Uh, Slave closed the second set, which really peaked out at the. Uh, I'm pretty sure MSG Hood guy was there and having the same kind of reaction he did <laughs> on that uh, 12. 12- 49 <laughs> yeah the and the um i love that i mean i love that encore just because it's um so classic old school you know um oh yeah that, I, and that and i forget i was on lot after the show and somebody was like well that's the best fourth quarter comeback i've ever seen and i'm a diehard <laughs> sports fan so yeah. i agree with that immediately nice yeah i was um i was at night six seven eight and nine of baker's dozen and i was like just i was just waiting for antelope um and 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 lizards and you know that's a, amazing to see in the the encore huge encore like you mentioned and then sunday i mean it does seem like there was a little bit of a i'm not going to say a letdown but i think expectations was, couldn't possibly be higher for a sunday dicks show post baker's dozen where are they going to spell oh, yeah. something are they gonna you know what are they going to do of course people were predicting tweezer you know opener closer second set up yeah. wherever um what, what was your take but on that show what, and how did it um how did the night evolve for you 
I'd say my, my take on Sunday was that it was just, I've been listening to fish for like 25 years now and it's, it's always good. And like, this was just a great set list and I'm a huge Vita blue fan. So when most events are planned started, I, you know, geeked out like this a phenomenal. Yeah. It was really just really nice to see that quickly again in a set list after uh previewing premiering at the Baker's dozen in night 13. Um, it, starting off with Buffalo bill was hilarious. Uh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Everybody, there was like a laugh in the crowd. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think anyone. Was, I don't think anyone saw it coming. Yeah, so that was really fun to to get uh, off my list at least. Um, then Momo was huge. Obviously, a fan favorite. Uh, got the dance party going. Uh, Sh- Birds was really fun. Sugar Shack. I don't mind it at all. People, you know, have their opinions about it, but Trey hit everything in the in the. Uh, in the solo parts, so he, there was nothing wrong with that. And, and again, most events are planned. Obviously, my set highlight. That's, I mean, I was first incarnation of fish I ever saw was Page and Vita Blue in Columbus with O'Teal and Russell. And oh, nice! And that was before I'd even seen fish. I don't. My first show was seven twenty nine oh three. Oh three. I didn't. I don't know if we've talked about the Ohio connection before, but Brad and I are both both from Ohio and went to Ohio State. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was my first year of college, and I went to that show. Nice. From, uh, from yeah. I, I actually, uh, I felt like the, I was watching the webcast and I kind of felt like Sugar Shack sort of um, just kind of threw them off a little bit. Like it didn't seem like the band was in sync at all um, to me. And I was yeah. not even, not just like Trey, you know, botched the solo or whatever, but like mm-hmm. it was, it just seemed like they were kind of searching for something. But then once they went into most events on our planet, it seemed like they immediately locked in. And then for the That's- rest of the set, they were like, fine. Well, if you look at it, it's like birds of a feather, then Sugar Shack, and you're like, okay, well, Sugar Shack's a fun song, but then most events are planned hit, and you're like, okay, now they're having fun again, like you said, but then back on the train, and that's when you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. running this show, yeah, yeah, definitely. They don't, they don't care if they don't care if it's a Sunday show. They don't care about anything what you guys care about. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. They're gonna play their, they're just gonna play their music, and mm. I, and I love all the new songs, and especially leads, and I think that song deserves way more play than it's getting uh and i think we'll see it a lot more in 2018 yeah i hope so it's um it's really really cool and it's a nice um it's it's a nice sort of break there but um but also not not total ballad just you know a little gem there but um i thought the the last three songs of the set the i mean i love the wedge i think some people think they overplay it but i to me it's that's impossible um and then the 46 days had a, a nice nice peaky jam and then um I don't know. That, that bathtub gin to me, it was cool how like the beginning of the jam was super quiet. Um, then they kind of built up from there. Yeah. It was kind of like they were, you know, and you make a good point when, and like, I, I was thinking about that when you were talking about the sugar shaft thing, kind of getting thrown off and then coming back on with most events, but you're right. The, the wedge 46 bays and gin were a strong finish for, for really interesting first set dicks on a Sunday night. Yeah. Well, and what was the what was your take on the on the second set? Um, the disease jam obviously got pretty evil at around I think like the thirteen minute mark, and then just kind of took off. Yeah. Uh, which I I'm all about evil fish, so that was that was really a highlight for me. And then the light was big time. I thought it was going to kind of after the 
disease and light, I thought they may go down that second set path of night one. But then uh, come rise, come together starts. And I don't mind that song either. I, 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 re- I really wanted to hear that uh, Love Is What We Are song that only played once in Chicago. I was oh, hoping right. that would make a reappearance, but it didn't. Um, I like uh, Piper was big, Meat Stick, obviously a crowd favorite. That got the dance party going. And then I think Trey kind of felt that when the dance party was happening during Meat Stick because he just dropped into 2001. And it was on from there. The Possum was, I think, unlike a lot of possums we've heard this summer, it kind of went out there and uh, a lot of exploratory jamming in that uh, middle section of possum, which was really nice to hear. Uh, And then it just kind of went from there. Uh, Obviously a great Greenberg closer. Um, Everybody kind of, you know, doesn't really get down with Greenberg after the show. They listen listen back. They're always skipping it. But this one, I think you're going to kind of want to hear because it does rock out pretty nicely into the encore nice that's great good call and the encore to end the run with with first tube i mean i think that's a perfect encore i've yeah. I, was, I was actually hoping for first i'm always hoping for first two but it must have been a nice nice way to close it out yeah it was it was because they uh they closed the second set last year with first tube and uh on night three and so for, for it to be the encore this year was really was really nice because uh it was a bin. It's a big one too. And I, <laughs> they go into that beginning part again after the jam in the, in the middle. And I don't think they meant to, but, but Trey had a little <laughs> smirk on his face when they did. And it pumped the crowd up. You could hear like that energy pump up right when, if you remember jam night, when sample went into that jam mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never does, and that, and you could hear that like <gasps> thing in the crowd all over. It was kind of like that during first tube, which was nice. really a cool feeling. For, yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, Luke, this has been fun. What are some of your kind of like top, top, just big couple takeaways from the run that we haven't discussed so far? Um, for me, I think number one is just the band's listening to each other a lot. And I think that it's pretty easy to say that, but when you really, really listen to the jams, you can hear them. You can hear everyone listening to each other. Mike coming in on other parts, Trey leading parts, fish saying, Nope, not going there. Page thinking, Let's go here. And everyone's just agreeing. And it is a conversation again. And I think that's why everyone's kind of comparing the, you know, this year of fish to 97, 98, 99 mm-hmm. golden years. of. Uh... So, yeah. And, uh, and I think another thing for me to take away from the weekend is just good friends, tr- helping everyone get in. And that's, I think that's what I'm kind of at least in my heart taking away from the nice. community in this one awesome it's uh just trying to get everybody in and when you when you kind of keep that mentality that fish magic does happen yeah that's a really important one and, and something that we we need to remember um yeah and and just to close it out i mean you you mentioned earlier that um you know that you thought this was a little bit different than baker's dozen i know we've talked about each night and um you know how this kind of fell uh, after Baker's dozen, but what do you expect from Fish? You know, in in the next the next run, we see them whether it's MSG or elsewhere. Um, do you expect this momentum to continue or uh, more new songs? I don't know what's on your mind as you were kind of traveling home. Um, I think for me, I really I I dig the new songs a lot. I think it's a completely different direction than than Big Boat was. Um, it's back to I think I'm comparing it to the song stylings of Rift and Hoist a bit. 
telling stories again. And uh, it's just coming in 2018. I think that we're going to see the same level of playing, if not better. These guys are only maturing music matures and it changes every day. Um, and they're, you know, four of the most incredible musicians on the planet. Uh, I think that we're going to see the MSG run. I think we might get a Euro tour. I'm going to put that out there in the universe. Just hope nice. That happens. Yeah. Just if you, if you say it, it'll come true. Um, I hope so. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, this is your, your yeah. first, first time on the podcast, but we hope to have you back. This has been a fun chat. So Luke, thanks so much for joining. Absolutely. RJ, I really appreciate it. And, uh, can, Congratulations with all the success and good luck to you guys in the future. Thanks, Luke. At Bombas, we make socks, underwear, and T-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're designed with the softest materials and comfort innovations. They do good because for every item you purchase, we donate another item to someone who needs it. So far, we at Bombas have donated over 75 million items, and your purchases add to that impact. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash ACAST and use code ACAST at checkout. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
lights up inside I wish that I controlled the skies For up above is where to stand To those who walk on Thank you. 
Bombas, we make socks, underwear, and T-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're designed with the softest materials and comfort innovations. They do good because for every item you purchase, we donate another item to someone who needs it. So far, we at Bombas have donated over 75 million items, and your purchases add to that impact. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's b o m b a s dot com slash acast, and use code acast at checkout. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield, and this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. 